Hello and welcome to the Cat Mass Day Chronicles. We have exciting, interesting and powerful stories from cat owners about well-being. I'm your host, Michelle Adams, the founder of Chatty Cats Care, a professional cat sitting company. Join me as I dive deep into conversation with cat owners about their individual journeys. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. This episode is brought to you by Chatty Cats Care, London's professional cat sitting company. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Cat Mass Day Chronicles podcast. This week is a bit of a blast from the past for me. I'm interviewing an old school friend who I haven't seen for about 17 years, guys. In this time, she's gone on to achieve some amazing things that most people wouldn't even imagine doing in a lifetime. I'm so thrilled and excited to welcome Sarah Begum on this week. She's a British journalist, explorer, TV presenter, speaker, and podcast host of the Spaced Out podcast. This introduction would literally last an entire show if I go on to list everything that Sarah has accomplished. So I'm going to leave that up to her. I can promise you it's going to be very exciting and this conversation will have you gripped. She's also an avid cat lover and and possesses cat and feline qualities herself. So without further ado, thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah. I've briefly introduced you but there is so much more can you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself hi michelle it's lovely to see you again after so long thank you so much for having me on the show um i i don't know where to start <laughs> i know right it's um, i mean i i would just say i'm just someone who follows her heart um and does what she loves um, and hopefully the things that I do that I love help other people um, and have a ripple effect in a positive way on the world. That's how I would describe myself. Yeah, in a nutshell. There's just so much to get through. So, you know, I completely understand that you don't know where to start because I don't think I would either, to be honest. So you're an immersive investigative uh, journalist and anthropologist explorer which I understand as completely immersing yourself into your work and studying people. Can you tell us a bit about some of your adventures so far? I know there's just so many to to think about, but maybe ones that kind of like come to your head straight away. Okay, yeah. Um, So, for example, I've lived with indigenous tribes around the world. I've survived some dangerous slums. As well, I've lived with unique, unique communities in uh, remote parts of the world, um, and I'm interested in these people's lifestyles in relation to their immediate environment and the struggles they face, as well as the unique um, occurrences within their uh, communities. Um, and by studying them, so what I do is I immerse myself in their lifestyle. I become one of the tribe. I take on their roles. I live like them. I eat like them. I hunt like them. I gather, cook like them. Um, and that helps me understand as more than an observe, uh, um, 
participant observer, as they call it in anthropology mm-hmm. terms. Um, I go, I would say I, I go a bit beyond that. Um, and I understand, I, I try to understand them in depth by immersing myself so then I can tell a very genuine story about them. I can share their stories the way they want me to share it in an honest way with the rest of the world. Um, and I feel like that's been my mission so far. And hopefully I'm able to shed light on um, the struggles they face so that they're able to retrieve the help that they need to uh, improve their conditions, whatever that it may be. Absolutely. And I guess experiencing that in such a multifaceted way really, you know, opens your eyes and allows you to experience something like you just said, like so differently in comparison to somebody who's just like a participant researcher and just going in just to to watch people. Um, I think you learn so much more about people when you experience things yourself. You know, there's that old saying, you don't really know somebody until you walk in their shoes. So I guess it's quite similar to that. Exactly. Well, it's exactly that. I mean, it's, I I just feel like the world would benefit from um, implementing these methods, especially within the realms of diplomacy, you know, and governance um, and international relationships. I just think by understanding another country's culture um, and respecting it, you'd be able to um, discuss and decide how better to uh, work with each other to unite and partner with one another you know to um, uh, create a bridge a very strong foundation um, for two nations or multiple nations I just think it's so important because so much of us um, and you know in this world that we live in um, I've seen I'm sure you've seen a lot of people uh discriminate on each other's differences Mm -hmm. yeah that you and I we went to school together we grew up in a very multicultural society and environment and where everything and everyone was mixed and you know I had there was no discrimination you know do you remember those days Um, yeah exactly so after school I didn't know that other people had um such uh, beliefs and um, uh, reservations towards someone of a completely different race. Or, mm-hmm. So when you hear these reports in the news, for example, when George Floyd was murdered last year, and um, that sparked the um, the, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement even more so, um, and all the protests in the US. Um, but it shouldn't need. That shouldn't have happened in the first place. It shouldn't need someone like that to. Uh, I'm talking about the police officers. So, mm-hmm. we can, <laughs> um, yeah. for everyone, for humanity to realize that we're all human and we all breathe the same air, we bleed the same color, our organs are pretty much the same inside. So, why does it matter how we look on the outside? Um, and so when I understand these people, I've lived in Africa, South. so I lived in Ghana, I was an investigative journalist there for 
for a year. Um, I lived in, I survived Venezuela, <laughs> lived in Venezuela, mm. survived Venezuela um, in Caracas, the uh, murder capital of the world. Um, I've lived in Morocco. Uh, I was adopted by a Berber woman there. Um, I, oh gosh. <laughs> so many. um so i just i'm always fascinated by people of a different culture or um anyone who's different from me i'm so fascinated by them and i just want to learn about them and i want to get involved and understand them and i just feel that we all should be like that it would be beautiful if the world united and just we're interested in one another regardless of the differences and we celebrated those differences so that we can flourish um, as a species and that we can evolve and we have much more um, love and empathy in our hearts, you know? Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> exactly. I, I just feel maybe the school curriculums could introduce that into um, one of the uh, lessons. Absolutely. Lesson I just feel like these are the things that schools should be implementing um, and we should be taught this from a young age. If the homes aren't doing it based on various biases, the school should be doing it so that the child is um, an independent thinker from a young age and they can learn to have healthy relationships with other humans. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I feel like I didn't really grasp that until I actually went to university. And um, so it took me quite a long time to really learn. And I feel like we missed a lot of that in, in, in school education. Um, but let's hope for the future that the future children will get to experience um, this and can go on to change the world, hopefully. Um, when you travelled deep into the Ecuadorian Amazon rainforest back in 2010, you lived with a tribe and immersed yourself into their lives, um, including hunting with warriors, if you, as you've just mentioned, gathering with women, women, um, all whilst investigating the impacts of oil exploitation on their land. Did this type of immersive investigation lead you to find out more about the impacts of oil um, exploration in comparison to if you just went there to visit? I know you said, you know, earlier you mentioned that, of course, you have to be fully immersed um, within um, a tribe or if you're going to a particular country with the people. But do you find that this helps you to get an answer to the main reason why you kind of went there in the first place, the, the topic. Okay, so my investigation began uh, before I even went to live with the tribe. I was actually investigating into the old companies and the surrounding areas who were operating there at the time. Um, and I went into the um, head offices of these old companies trying to get interviews um, I tried to get um, interviews on the oil fields as well. Um, I wanted to be immersive there. I just obviously <laughs> wasn't given the permission for legal reasons. Um, so, however, I did see evidence of their activities around um, the area and I questioned the tribe about that. And that's when the tribe opened up to me and they 
Um, they told me about the tubes in the grounds where the oil companies um, tried to exploit their oil in the past. They told me how they chased the oil companies away using spears and blowguns and darts and, and stole their machetes, used them against them. So um, they're really, really passionate about protecting their land against any anyone who tries to exploit it. Actually, I got a message from my um, Amazon warrior yesterday on Facebook. Wow, okay. Um, what did he say? So we speak to each other in Spanish. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. Cuando pandemia pasa, bingo. He said, when are you coming back to Ecuador to visit us? <laughs> so he asks me this all the time. It's really sad. Every time I think about them, he always texts me. Someone, one of the leaders texts me. Wow. My plan was 2020 uh, to go back, and I was okay. Started because it would have marked the 10 years anniversary, the 10 year anniversary since the first time I went there. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I mean, it's sad because I was so excited to go there again, see them again. Mm. We started an eco tourism company. Um, I wanted to help, you know, just go there show what's happened how it's changed from that um they managed to um register a million acres of land to protect it from being exploited excellent these these warriors are incredible wow well to um to even get access to them and so many challenges you know some of the best things in life are the most challenging you've just got to go through them get through them yeah I encountered a lot of challenges um producing this documentary uh but it was all worth it because I'm still making royalties from it today (laughs) yeah absolutely and so they they travel they journey into the cities to have meetings with people from other tribes and to discuss how to continue protecting their land against the oil companies. So it's important to get a very honest answer from their perspective so that you can um, deliver their message in a very powerful way when you're writing about it, when you're mediating it. And as a journalist, for me, that's really important to give an honest answer. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know that there's some things that, you know, are are aired on TV and you, you see these films or um, like documentaries and you think, do they really know the people that they're among? Are they really getting across the message or are they just doing this because they want to become famous? Be famous. I know it's really annoying. Um, I don't really watch TV that much these days because mm. when I the TV on, I see presenters who are like puppets or chosen because they have a degree or whatever. Um, and they just, they don't have the depth. Mm-hmm. They don't care. They don't have that sense of... Um, empathy you know they just think okay good story right it's gonna make me look good um I'm gonna win a bunch of awards and I just think that's really selfish um uh, bad storytelling 
bad casting and uh, producing as well. And, and misleading. I mean, it, it makes, I don't know, I just can't get interested in it. I mean, the first person I watched who inspired me to do this was Bruce Perry. Luckily enough, I, I, I met him as well. He's my role model. I, met, I was able to meet him and be advised by him as well. Um, and he is super honest with the way he does things. When I saw him, I was like, right, that's, that's the kind of style that I want to implement. Mm, yeah. Um, my shows. And, and when I did, even what, even when I did that, I think his producer said to me, you can't be another Bruce Perry. You've got to be you. And I realized he's, he's right. And, <laughs> but I also realized that I wasn't Bruce Perry, that I had the same level of empathy and care about those people amazing people but I was a different personality mm-hmm. I'm, Pagan. I'm not Bruce Perry I'm, I'm, I'm a young woman I'm exotic and yeah. <laughs> um, my personalities are very different too so therefore the energy and the relationship interactions that I would um, create on screen will be completely different to to anyone else's um, but the having the same type of personality on tv Oh gosh, it's just really boring, you know. I think in Britain, um, but because I, I've met with so many TV productions, the BBC countless times, mm-hmm. <laughs> so many, and um, we developed or, or we I've developed production um, uh, shows with uh, with them as soon as it gets to the commissioning editor. Because from, I don't know why, maybe the the commissioning editors are in the 70s or something I don't know um and it's like actually uh maybe they're not ready for me they'd rather watch their granddaughters on tv you know Mm. I don't know but I just feel that it's really old outdated and the way they think about tv and talent and style needs to change and and be updated because in the US is completely different you know, they're more advanced because they're forward thinkers and because they're more experimental. They try new things. They're not scared to try new things. Here, the system is kind of stunted in a way, I, I believe, and they're very slow to create change and innovations. Um, and that's why it's also been hard for me um, in television because I've had my ideas stolen and done by middle-aged white men. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but. I, you know, that's fine. I, <laughs> I don't care. Um, I just think the system needs to change. Absolutely. Long time coming. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned about your royalties for um, the film that you filmed in the Amazon, I absolutely loved Amazon Souls. Um, and I recommend all of my listeners to listen and watch this online I'll be sure to include the links for this in the show notes but what I really admire um, about you is your can-do attitude like you weren't squeamish judgmental or patronizing which I notice that many other journalists are like we just spoke about but you were so open and this actually led you to um, getting made queen 
and marrying a warrior in the tribe, which I couldn't stop smiling about. I absolutely love this. Um, what was that experience like for you? Did you ever imagine something like this to happen? And is he the person who's messaging you on Facebook? Do you still no, keep he's, not. he's still in oh. the jungle. So it's a member of his family who won't. Okay. Um, family he decided he doesn't want to have anything to do with the he doesn't want to go out into the brilliant um, so to the world he remains mm-hmm. in the jungle um and i speak with um his family members uh but yeah no <laughs> first of all um they asked me to take off my clothes and the leader was making me a crown out of macau feathers and chanting as soon as i listened to them and i was making chicha with the women and um i mean i was like why is he chanting oh he's happy because you you're like them now he's really mm-hmm. happy it's like okay what's he doing oh he's next thing I know Sarah stand up he's just made you a crown you're going to be queen what (laughs) What? really what everything was happening fast I was processing I have no clothes on in the middle of the jungle with the Amazon like what and then they make me queen and I'm like whoa and then I'm in a ceremony my initiation ceremony uh, and my queen ceremony and then they're marrying me to a warrior. So I was trying to get used to the very first and second things. And then it just happened past. And there was a the warrior sitting um, in the hammock next to me because I was thinking, at first I was thinking, this is interesting. Why is he sat next to me smiling, not saying anything? And everyone else chanting around us it's like, what's going on? <laughs> I yeah. found out that I was being married to him. Um, and but the marriage uh, was a symbol of not honor uh, because it was an alliance uh, between myself and the West, uh, between them, myself and the West. So mm-hmm. I was able to um, uh, deliver their message. They saw me as a messenger, and they saw me as someone who could spread their message about protecting their uh, jungle from exploitation, protecting their home. Um, and that's what I've been doing ever since. I'm, I'm an advocate for this trial. Yeah, yeah. That's my Amazon warrior queen duty. <laughs> this is amazing. Also, the nakedness. Don't you think it's amazing? I went to um, a spa um, on one of my nanny jobs. Um, it, it allowed me. To, it allows me to travel sometimes. So I went to Germany, and um, oh, I went to those Germany. Days. Yeah, they really yeah. embrace nakedness. And at first, I thought oh my gosh you know what up in London we're not used to this and like it's just not something that people do but I went there and I thought you know what I'm going to do this because I'm probably not going to see anyone around me again but also I really want to experience what they experience so I did it and honestly it was one of the most freeing things I've ever done and I didn't feel like people were you know, trying to sexualize me, or I didn't think of it in any kind of like way like that. I just felt like this is very natural. And um, yeah, like I said, I just feel free. I didn't feel embarrassed. And yeah, it was just a really amazing feeling. You know, I don't know if it was similar for you as well. Yeah. Um, I When I went there, I thought exactly the same thing. Um, and like nobody was judging or yeah you know everyone was really respectful and but the funny thing for me was it reminded me of being in the Amazon it's like wow this is like 
you know, a German tribe, <laughs> tribal village, a naked German tribal village. It's like, okay. Um, but at the time it was the World Cup. Um, ah. and I was in the, uh, first we went into the steam room and we had yogurt and honey rubbed all over our bodies and then we were being steamed and then we went into the sauna and, and I put the yogurt and honey in my body again and, and everyone <laughs> in the sauna were German and I was the only Brit. And yeah, was- yeah, yeah. The England versus Germany football match. Um, I was thinking, why? Like I'm in a sauna <laughs> getting steam with the Germans, and I'm Brits. So I, I was just thinking World War Two, and I was thinking all these crazy, oh, no. funny thoughts about. No, it's funny because I, I, I was just trying not to speak because I was thinking mm. they're talking about the England versus Germany football match, and um, <laughs> like you know, so yeah. Was, Kind of all <laughs> in the sauna. It's like I'm just yeah, gonna yeah. shut up. <laughs> yeah, just don't speak. <laughs> really lovely. They were really nice. Everyone was lovely. It was just, it was just a, a funny banter um, at, at the mo- at the time that I was able to just uh, humour myself with, mm-hmm. um, and they were laughing about it as well, actually. Uh, but yeah, it, it was really cool. I loved it. It was so liberating. It is very liberating. Um, one of my favourite film clips and investigations of yours um, were from the trip to the Atlas Mountains and you met the wonderful lady from the Berber tribe who adopted you as her daughter. It was very clear how much she cared and loved you. Can you tell us a bit more about your relationship with this lady and what she was like? Yeah, and I was taking a walk the mountains um as I did uh, every day because I, I just fell in love with those mountains it was so mm. beautiful gosh I felt so much peace and serenity just being there and every time I was there I just I felt so comfortable I just didn't want to leave every time I would have to leave to go back to Marrakesh I felt my heart would break um but yeah I literally fell in love with these mountains and during one of my afternoon walks, I saw this woman perched on the um, edge of a road and I thought, wow, she has the most amazing face I've ever mm. seen. And she was really jubilant and she ushered me over. And then I, you know, we embraced in a hug and we were speaking to each other. I had a friend translating for me and she invited me to um, her house. She said, "Come visit next time." And I asked her if I could take a photo. And she was, and somebody translated for her, saying she never lets anyone take a photo, but for some reason she'll let you. So wow. And I was like, really? Just they're like, yeah. I was like, oh wow. So she let me take a photo. So I was taking photos of her, and it was a beautiful connection because from my own, I, I'm an orphan, so I, I've never really. Um, I've never really had a connection like that, you know, it's uh-huh. been warm and loving. Um, like to experience uh, a mother's love without any judgment. Like it was just so pure. Yeah. And I embraced her and she, you know, her children had grown up and left the city and she was living on her own and she really loved having someone like me, a connection with someone like me. Um, so we both feel avoided within each other, I guess, um, emotionally. 
now that I think of it, but um, I went to her house and she made me Berber tea um, and, and she made me bread and butter and she told me, right, you need to get married now and then you need to have a baby, okay? <laughs> I need to do. <laughs> and, and then she looked at the cameraman and said, I was like, which one? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no 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 <laughs> um and so she funny. i know she's like i've adopted you now you're my daughter oh. now i need to care about your future and i was thinking oh, if only my own mother felt the same <laughs> anyway oh. um but yeah she she was really beautiful um so i promised to return on Eid day to visit her and i did and i helped her around the house with um anything she needed i folded her sheets and i cleaned all her and I, yeah she just got me to do little tasks around the house mm-hmm. she fed me again and, and she just didn't want to let me go she's like i don't want oh. you to- i bet i bet i can imagine oh actually when i went to marrakesh um i went around the market and people kept asking me if i was from the atlas mountain i was mm-hmm. like no do I look like it and they were like yeah I was like really they kept saying your eyes your eyes my eyes are hazel I know you probably can't like see them here but maybe I don't know people from the Atlas Mum have liked eyes I don't do. know but yeah, some of them do <laughs> and also maybe the texture of your hair as well because mm. think about it, it's North Africa Morocco is still North Africa yeah true true but it felt nice. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I can be. That's funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, the photo music of that lady was incredible. And I felt like in the photo, you really captured her. Like it was almost like you could kind of see her personality within the photo. I love photography, by the way, especially mm. like portrait photography. Where did you learn? To, to take photos did you like do your photography course or something because so yeah, I did incredible. Um, BA honours I've always liked taking photos because I was always an artist as you probably remember from school mm-hmm. yeah art and poems and stuff um and I just I loved uh, when I started my course sorry I did a BA honours in um uh, film production and design and uh, no what was it gosh <laughs> long time ago I think it was um, film production and um and then I did journalism for the Amazon because I made that part of the final year mm-hmm. um, so I I realized that I had a, a natural talent for framing for shots for um, filmography photography like I was really into beautiful shots cinematic shots or the framing composition the mise-en-scene like for me it was natural um and then the more I explored and practiced the better I got and then I learned you need good lighting to take a good shot hence why I've got my softbox in front of me now (laughs) (laughs) video um and then I just I just started seeing the world through the lens um, on, on that trip, I remember just taking photos, like just composing everything. You know, when you compose a piece of music, mm. I like to compose a good photo. And I just, that photo, yeah, 
she told me she wanted to be a comedian. You know, she listens to Arabic really Arabic comedy stand up, and I was like, "Wow, that's amazing!" I know. I just couldn't stop taking photos of her, and just you know, someone's energy really um, Mm. lifts off the um, the photo, lifts off the surface. really important to capture um their energies in the right way because you can tell so much about them just by looking at the face like now i can read energy on on photos and videos i can just sense people um yeah and it's beautiful when you when you feel that because it's it's beyond just vision like it's more than that it's a feeling isn't it yeah yeah i love it I just, I also admire, um, you know, other professional photographers' uh, work. I love their work. There are some that I look up to, um, especially the National Geographic. Their photography is incredible. Beautiful, I know. You know, the David Attenborough shows, the cinematography, oh, my God. Incredible. I love it. I I know. I just, I, I wish I could do that you know if I was given the chance to capture um something that way that would be amazing but for now I can just admire it you know yeah. maybe your time will come soon you know you never know never know what life holds so I, I can focus on other things I'd oh okay space. I'd love to capture space that would be my next thing wow that would be amazing <clears throat> and wild cats oh yes they're beautiful as well, especially in their habitat. Like they just look so majestic, don't you think? Oh like, yes, they are incredibly majestic. And my favourite would probably be now. It started off as the white tiger because it's so rare. The um, royal Bengal white tiger, mm-hmm. um, and then um, I had a thing for the black jaguar because apparently that's my spirit animal, according to the Amazon tribe. Ah, it's also. They also reincarnate as jaguars, the shamans and the warriors, when they die and they come and protect the jungle. The yeah. shamans have the powers of the jaguar, and they told me that I had the heart of a jaguar and that when I die, I would I would reincarnate as a jaguar, like one of their wow. warriors and shamans. And you were like, proud. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh. <laughs> but I also really love the snow leopard. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. According to a, a documentary, a BBC documentary that I watched, um, the snow leopard is the loneliest big cat in the world because it lives high, high up on the mountains at such a high altitude. Um, finding love is really difficult and it oh. just goes around looking for scratchings of a potential mate um, and because it's, it's just so high up, so majestic, so beautiful, and it's just it's hard to find love. And I kind of relate to that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um, we can learn so much from animals and relate to them in so that. many ways. Exactly. And but they're just so beautiful. They're uh-huh. so beautiful creatures. And yeah, I love cats. Me <laughs> too. Me too. <laughs> um, but going back to your filming, um, you filmed and investigated some interesting yet very dangerous places, such as Poland's most dangerous football hooligans, Amsterdam's red light district, and one of the most dangerous trips so far was your trip to Venezuela. Um, Do you visit these places with your team to keep safe? And also, 
What do your team members think about these kind of dangerous expeditions? <laughs> I remember I did Poland. Um, I did that with a, a Polish football journalist. Okay. He was giving me intel and advice and how to go about, but I didn't want him, like when I went into the fight clubs, I went on my own. Um, and when I went to speak to the the um, hooligan gang, and whilst they were training, I went on my own. Um, and I mean, I remember I went with one guy, I can't remember who it was, and, but the guy went in and said, we want to film. And I was like, what are you doing? You just blew up my entire plan. I had this under control. Yeah. I was having a heart to heart with one of the hooligan leaders. And I was like, what are you doing? The guy comes in and it's like, you just ruined everything. So um, it depends. I mean, the team, some, I like doing this alone. When I mm. do it, I'm just like, you know, I know exactly what I'm doing. Um when I have someone else, it, it, you have to, because you have to think about their lives, you know, and they don't always know or react the way you would. So it, it's almost like a James Bond mission. Yeah. It's going it alone because he knows exactly how to respond and react. And um, that's what it's been like for me. It's like one of those. So I'm on a mission. Um, and I want to do it on my own because I know how I'm going to do it. Um, in terms of my team, when they're filming with me, it's different. So I have to brief them before. Um, and I tell them, right, this is what we're doing. Um, do you have any questions? Do you have any concerns? So I try to address them as much as I can. And then we we go in. I remember going into this ancient mosque in Morocco and my sound man freaked out. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to ever come back here. This is freaky because we heard stuff and there was apparently gold in the walls and it was it was a bit spooky. You know, like, okay. I like that though. There was like a tomb in this abandoned ancient mosque and a guy apparently was always guarding the mosque because people would come and try to find gold there. And so I was doing a piece of camera inside and, and he was just freaked out. So he was just like freaking out. I was, I was laughing. I was like, this is funny. Your reaction is so funny. It reminded me of the Goonies. Anyway, um, and then in uh, Venezuela I had... Again, I was filming undercover by myself. This is why film, if you know filming, you can do so much on your own. Mm. Um, uh, the Polish, oh, the the Amsterdam Red Light District was probably the first ever time I went undercover. And that was, <laughs> that was funny because I literally stuffed um, a small camcorder inside a teddy bear. You know, those meat for you bears. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah open and I put the camera in, in its belly and then I popped that in my handbag and I and I went all through the red light district and I was filming and luckily a woman called Layla let me in uh, we had a beautiful heart to heart you know um not physically yeah. <laughs> and um she actually turned off her lights and she refused a client just to continue speaking with me wow okay and I realized how lonely she was um and unfortunately when I checked my camera the battery had gone so it didn't really capture that as much I know but I I wanted to respect her anyway yeah Um, and you know I was really honored that she did that yeah trusted me um people must see something in you though that they can kind of like feel like they can trust and open up to you 
I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think they must. Maybe it's something well, about your aura. I don't know. I think I just care about people. Yeah, and I think people sense that. If that's what it is, then I never thought about that. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense, you know. Um, you mentioned in one of your video clips that you, um, you're you a female leading a team of alpha males, and that must have been quite an interesting dynamic. Oh, oh gosh. I mean, that was a that was for a specific expedition, which I mm. did. And um, I didn't – we never got to do it because of the commissions and the changes in funding and all of that. Ah. Um, but it was basically an idea that I uh, developed and then I got all these incredible men on board. Um, and actually, it started off with Levison Wood. Do you know him? The the TV presenter, explorer who did the Walking the Nile with Channel 4. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm not good with names, but I, when you said that, I know you. Yeah, no, we we were planning this before he became famous and um, and then it just developed from that. And I was really into petroglyph research. It just, it was interesting for me and for uh, Russ, um, the person who was going to direct this, um, because you don't often see a woman leading a group of men and Actually, I've always been leading a group of men on my expedition. Mm. And it's just, you just have to, as a, you have to be a good leader. To be a good leader, you need to understand your people, your team members' needs um, and size. And you need to also understand and respect their strengths and weaknesses. Um, so then you can, you'd be able to facilitate, facilitate that team um, mm-hmm. better um and I always have fun I, as well so I, I'm always like one of the guys as it took me a while to um to realize that they don't see me as one of the guys <laughs> oh no well, well, well they do eventually yeah. past the exterior um but it's just you know because I I just see myself as you know like this fun-loving, tomboy, weird character, like an alien. And um, they just see me physically because I like to take care of myself. And, and it's mm-hmm. hard to get past that initial for a while <laughs> until, I, until I, I'm just myself all the time. That they, under, they get to know me as a person. And that's been actually quite difficult um, learning because from a young age, I always knew that I never wanted to look like a dude. But I want to, but that's just my character. And yeah, tomboyish. Um, but I love dressing like a feminine woman. So it's really hard for men to comprehend. Like, whoa, what's what's going on here? It's like, uh, <laughs> and for me, it's like, what? What can you not understand? <laughs> I still, know. You know, I'm still like one of the guys like you, and it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> um, but they eventually get used to me. Um, and then we have a great time. We work together. It's very professional. It's very fun. Um, I'm a, I have my crazy moments um, when my humor is just weird, really weird, <laughs> really wacky. Yeah, I guess it keeps everyone's morale up. Um, and yeah, I also learn, you know, you always learn to be better every time. There's so many challenges every time there's a different challenge and you have to um overcome it and then you learn for the next time 
Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine. Um, it's just a big learning experience. I know this is going to be a hard question for you because there's probably many, but what do you enjoy most about what you do? And do you have any best or most favorite moments so far within like your career? Oh, that is hard. <laughs> it is hard. I'm sorry. Right. Well, what do I love doing um, in my career? I enjoy communicating um, important stories, events, messages, um, which in whichever medium that is. I like presenting a lot. Um, I like presenting in action a lot more. So in adventures mm. and explorations and um, immersive investigations, I, I, I really enjoy that. You know, the best moments across all the um, – all the adventures are pretty much the same in terms of the connections I have with people mm. because they're long lasting, even if it's a moment, that moment for me lasts forever. Um, and then the experience of absorbing the natural environment in my surroundings, be it a jungle, a desert, the stars, um, the mountains, like, that for me is beautiful. I, I love nature. I love all the various terrains that I've been lucky to explore. Um, and, and just being able to just stop and just take it all in. Yeah. Uh, for me, I really love one of the things that came to mind. Um, obviously the Amazon is incredible. I, I thought, wow. But for me, the Amazon just started everything. But one of the things that really stands out is the stars, the stars in Jordan, in the Wadi Ram Desert, oh. where Lawrence of Arabia went, actually. And I remember being on top of this rock, um, climbing up to get to this rock, mm-hmm. a higher altitude. <clears throat> and I just lay on the rock and just stared at the stars because I wanted to be as close to the stars as I can. And um, and I would always search for my favourite constellation, which is Orion's Belt. Yeah. The brightest star in the sky, which is Sirius. And I would just, just stare at it and it would just shine on me. You know, I, I love stars. I think the first time I ever saw the stars close up was in the Amazon. Obviously, um, there's not much... Uh, pollution. Pollution. Um, so you're able to get a clearer um, view. And then I remember counting shooting stars, but the most majestic view of the stars was probably from Jordan. You should get a telescope, Sarah. Wouldn't that be incredible? Oh, you planning to? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just don't know whether to get one here or when I move. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Can you imagine, like, looking in a telescope? That would be incredible. I would love to do that. Yeah, that's one of my dreams. That's that's on my list to do to do list this year. Yeah. Um. So you delivered a TEDx talk in Ghana about the environment, and you had this amazing idea about a sustainable flying car. I would personally love to see this happen, by the way, in the future. Um. But can you just tell us like a short summary, a little bit about it and and that idea? Yeah, so I wanted to come up with an innovative uh, solution to combat air pollution. And um, I was on a sports show in Ghana um, every Saturdays. We would discuss the EPL, the GPL and 
boxing and other sports. So I was like the action presenter. So they'd send me um, to do inserts, like they'd send me to train with police officers from Ghana's police force or train with boxers or whatever. And um, or sometimes we'd go to, we just had a flash of us playing <laughs> mini golf. <laughs> <laughs> We just do these um, cool little things, um, and during the mornings, like I go for runs before the sun rises, and sometimes I do martial arts training as well, uh, because martial arts is my thing. That's that's my go-to for training. Okay, okay. And in the mornings, I'd run and I'd come back coughing black suit, and obviously that's from the car exhausts. So there was a lot of air pollution there and I, and I was worried about my health. And then I discovered through research that, you know, a lot of people die every year from air pollution alone. Oh, okay. Including the lungs, causes cancer, all kinds of stuff. Um, so my innovative solution to that problem was a sustainable flying car. Um, when I first came up with the idea, a lot of people um, were interested, but they were like, that's very futuristic. Um, and I managed to get a billionaire from Microsoft who set up a university in Ghana interested, gave me his entire engineering department for the base. The engineering head of engineering came on board. and um, Wow. I, I just had everything in place. The only thing that was missing was everyone getting everyone together in the same place for the initial meeting. Because I was in Ghana, everything moved slow. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to <laughs> for this to happen. Yeah. Well, when my contract um, ended, I didn't want to stay there. I came I'm back I came back home. Um, and when I came back, I decided to revive it here. I met a guy who owned a solar company, and we, um, along with a group of his uh, uh, peers or team we developed the idea even further and then I realized I don't want ugly solar panels on this Mm -hmm. (laughs) looking into biofuels and alternative energy renewable energy um and then I came across um uh, a sustainable flying car in Germany Lilium and I was like right this is amazing they're using an electric motor so it's been developing, um, and now it's uh, it's developed even more. I don't want to talk. Wow, that's incredible, Sarah! I literally I didn't realize. I thought it was just like an idea, but the fact that it's being developed clever is just so it's amazing. Well, it's exciting. I mean, four years, but I guess you know. I'm sure Tesla didn't start in a day, yeah, or overnight. So this is my big dream. Um, I actually had a dream last night. Kevin Hart was like saying to me, "You need to focus on this." It's like, I woke up this morning. I was like, "Maybe it's a sign." Yeah, yeah. I met him, by the way. Lovely guy. Really? Is he really funny? Of course. Yeah. He was in awe of me. He's like, "Oh my gosh, he's so smart, (laughs) educated." (laughs) Oh, he seems like a really nice guy, though. He's. Yeah. Such an angel. He's an angel. Oh, bless. Um, going back to Ghana, I was really, you know, deeply saddened um, to watch your short film about the lady Christiana who um, 
it, she lives in Ghana, Ghana and sadly in poverty. Um, she suffers tremendously from tuberculosis and her, um, she lives in harsh conditions um, with unsatisfactory roofing and living arrangements, which makes life difficult for her. When you find yourself in situations like that, how do you cope or deal with the impact on your own feelings and emotions once leaving? Because I can imagine sometimes it's quite hard. Like, personally, I think, like, do I need therapy after this? Because it's a lot to take on. I got used to it because I've dealt with a lot of hardships in my own life. Um, so I think that's probably why I've developed such a strong empathy for other people. Mm. Um, and when I see something like that, um, it just motivates me to do their story justice so then I can create impact and change in their lives and put a smile on their face. And if I can do that, like that's always my mission. How can I help these people in my stories? What can I do? How can my work bring attention to their lives and do something about it? So Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the best way to kind of look at it as well because otherwise you can become just absorbed and it can be maybe very weighing on you but you seem to have the right approach for sure um another thing which I was really kind of surprised sickened and hurt about was the expose that you edited with um Naomi uh, Bennett the black nurse who was in the media um some months ago for being harassed and wrongly accused by the police I mean, I know this stuff is going on. I know, obviously, it happens a lot in America. But I think in the UK, it's kind of brushed under the carpet, isn't it? Like, they, it's not really kind of exposed in the way it is in America, maybe. Um, and I was literally holding my mouth, like, in shock watching the video. Why did you think or why did you feel it was important for you to make this expose um, edit? Actually, um, <laughs> she contacted me and okay. said, Sarah, I need your help. I need you to do something for me. And um, this is, she mentioned, she briefed me on the project. I was like, oh my God, I'm sorry to hear that. I, mm-hmm. You know, and then she, I was busy at the time and I said, can you wait a month? I'm, I'm really busy with the project project right now and then when I finished that project I said okay I'm, I'm ready for you just like okay good because I've been waiting for you I want you to do this justice At, and we set up a meeting the day we set up a meeting so funny because I was leaving my um the place I was living in in Muswell Hill and the, there were really beautiful little girls um who were my neighbors and I promised them a tea party, a dress-up tea party. We all dress up in um, our outfits. And I ordered a Wonder Woman costume from the US. Um, so I thought, right, I'm going to dress up as Wonder Woman and I'm going to throw a tea party in the garden for them and to say goodbye because they really made my time there. Um, I put on my Wonder Woman outfit and the, you know, the black cape she wears when she's walking about town. I had like a black, um, what was it? Uh, cape or gown or cardigan or something yeah no it's like a cape and I was walking in the streets I went to Marks and Spencer's dressed up as one (laughs) my groceries that's hilarious (laughs) I just Um, like have to double take like what (laughs) 
I came back home um, before the party. I had my meeting with Naomi. And it's like, she calls me Wonder Woman. That's a nickname for me. So I need your help. It's like, okay, what is it? She gave me the brief. It's like, I need justice. Like, this is what happened to me. Like, you're the right person to do this. It's like, okay, let's do it. She gave me the footage. I um, put the story together. And then she managed to get BBC, ITV and all these other Good. The media from everywhere I'm interested in telling her story. Um, And she managed to get um, uh, this story did her justice because the police officers were suspended. Excellent. uh, Good. So that made me happy. It's like, right, I managed to accomplish another mission. There you go. (laughs) You're doing a lot. (laughs) Not really. I wish I could do more. Yeah, I know. But I mean, for me, like, even if it's one thing that you can do that really has such a big impact on someone, sometimes that's enough, you know, like, sometimes you might think something is small, but it has such a wider impact um, that you don't really see in that moment. But yeah, you're you're doing amazing things, Sarah. You should definitely be proud and commended for this. Like honestly, I'm just sitting here in awe, like, oh my God, like what else are you gonna tell me? This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, something funny. Um uh the well, it hasn't come out yet. I, I maybe I should wait. But my my recent um uh Brazilian Amazon adventure, I managed to uh to get an Amazonian tribesman to come out for the first time as bisexual to me and capture the uh. story. Um, and I'm bisexual. So this was really interesting. And um, I wrote an article about the whole thing. It's going to be published in Attitude magazine. It's coming out later oh. this year. So keep your eyes open. That's incredible, Sarah. You heard it here first. I'm definitely going to keep my eyes open. Um, and please like update us and update me with anything. I'd even love to get you back on the show at some point, like because <laughs> I'm sure there's so many other amazing things happening. So yes, keep us posted. But moving on from you, moving on from that, you also have a podcast yourself called the Spaced Out Podcast. So what's it all about? What can we expect um, when we tune in? Okay, so Spaced Out is about um, the space industry. Um, It's about space, it's about aviation, innovation, um, innovative tech, engineering, everything to do with aerospace, aircrafts and space. Um, And that's because my exploration has um, taken a turn up into the skies and into space towards the stars. So I've, as you've heard, I've um, explored jungles, deserts, caves, mountains, all sorts. But it's always been my dream to explore space. Um, and in the beginning of the year, well, last year, I started meditating and, you know, discovering um, universal laws and just understanding how the universe works, understanding how um, the world works, learning about energy, learning about all sorts of things. But somehow I kept seeing space in my my visions and in my meditations. Um, and I always knew I was going to explore space. I just didn't know when or how or what. I, I didn't I didn't even know why I had this feeling of <laughs> I know I'm going to space. Like, okay. 
Um, and I've always felt like a freaking alien, you know, when you're <laughs> everyone's like, okay, where do I come from? Um, and I just felt like I needed to pursue it somehow. And, and because of my sustainable flying car ideas, like, right, I need to find, mm. make this happen. And that's why you've heard that it's developed. Um, because the pandemic gave me time to focus on things that really matter now for me that I want to do my next step, my next, um, chapter. Yeah. Um, so- space that's my next chapter this sustainable flying car is my next chapter hopefully i can make it happen um and i will make it happen i need to of course it. you will and that's just naturally led me to space because i just i did a space exploration masterclass by chris hadfield and i learned that he was a fighter pilot before he became an astronaut a lot of astronauts have aviation backgrounds you know and i was like oh wow I didn't know it was linked. It's a natural, organic um, process uh, development. It's like, okay. So then I tried to focus on aviation, but I, I was just space. My interest in space just took over. And I thought, okay, this is amazing. Um, right. I'm going to create Spaced Out. Um, and so I started that. And then it, initially it was just an interview um, set up by uh, Careers in Space with Dexter Bunyol, a Filipino aerospace uh, company owner. Okay. And then I was, and then I, the podcast started properly when I decided to turn it into an actual podcast. I was like, I'm going to keep doing this and create my own um, label. Uh-huh. So Spaced Out started with Dylan Taylor. He's like the godfather of um, the space industries and investors. Um, uh-huh. And he's very new space. Um, new space is very, it means modern. Is <laughs> it like futurism, like futuristic? Uh-huh. It's like more young and lively and, and okay. innovations that, you know, that old space. Old space is more traditional space. Okay. Um, and new space is just like new ways of thinking about space, how to do space. Um, and he, and then it managed, it, it's now on 19 different audio platforms. Amazing. Um, started a new partnership, which I'll announce hopefully on Sunday, um, in terms of the video series for Spaced Out. And yeah, so, um, I mean, what started as a small idea in lockdown. <laughs> Is, is developing really fast and catching on and yeah it's also helping me learn about how space works because I thought maybe I'd have to get an aeronautical engineering degree which I've, wow. been, I've been studying a bit actually on the side um and actually I'm learning so much just by speaking to people in the industry and and they keep telling me we need great communicators like you in this industry. It's like, okay, well, maybe I don't need to retrain myself. Mm. I'll just reapply apply, um, and implement what I've learned already to the space industry. Because the space space is the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, I care about climate change and I care about what's happening to our planet. And by focusing on the future and future technological developments, I believe we can resolve the issue around climate change and manage how um, it'll slow it down here on yeah. Earth. And so that's what I realized. I also realized that focusing on space, again, um, these technological developments help protect the earth because obviously from my explorations, I care about the earth. Um, so it was just, 
where it naturally led me, it, it was basically the same mission I had on Earth to protect Earth and to unite its people. Because astronauts, when they have the ov overview effect, when they're in space, the overview effect is when you see Earth from space, the small, mm -hmm. beautiful green and blue marble, and you're working with people from all around the world in the International Space Station, you're uniting together for the same goal. Mm -hmm. Why isn't everyone on this planet working like this? Why aren't they working together to protect it? And there isn't life. And right now we haven't discovered, you know, life anywhere else. So our human existence um, isn't, uh, isn't, well, we, we don't exist on any other planets that we know of. Um, mm. So we should protect the one that we do know that we, where we do all exist where it's so beautiful, full of life and all these amazing things. And instead of focusing on things like war, we should focus on things like development and peace and community. Um, and that's one of the things I promised the tribe. They said to me, we want you to promise us something. We want you to bring the whole world into uni unity. At the time I was only 21. I didn't understand um, the power of that message. And, Every year I keep to, it, it renews within me and I understand mm -hmm. more and more and more. And yeah. It's the wisdom as you grow. Exactly. Things become more, yeah, meaningful and poignant. Exactly. And, and there's so much more clarity in the direction that you're heading. Definitely. So I'm very excited to hear that actually. Um, and congratulations on your podcast and everything you're doing. Um, sounds really cool. So yeah, I hope um, that you keep us again posted and updated about that. But now moving on to my favourite part of the show, which is pets, animals. I know you've told me um, that your first best friend was actually a Bengal tiger kitten, which is absolutely adorable. So I'd love to know how your story started, your love for yeah. cats and, and well, animals. It was a he, but I've made it a she. Oh. <laughs> uh, like a baby in a blanket and tell her stories and try to ride my tricycle. Oh. Then, um, I still can't ride a bike. <laughs> I used to sleep with her, so she'd sleep in the bed with me, and I'd feed her. And I, I literally—that was my first love. That was literally my first love um, when I was seven. And when she died, she died. She was paralysed, and then she was put down. I wasn't told that she was put down until much later in life. But the love I had for that cat—oh gosh, it was so powerful. I never even knew what happened until I started working in a vet and saw a cat being put down for the first time. I was in tears, like, that's what happened to my cat when I was a kid. Ah! Oh, <laughs> it's know. sad. I know, it's sad. Um, but I've always loved cats. Like Even before I had her, I used to look at pictures of cats and I'd always want one. Um, yeah, I just, I love cats. I just love them. I relate to them. Mm -hmm. I meow to them and they know, they understand me. They meow back or they yeah. look at me. How is this human speaking out? Like? <laughs> Obviously, I don't have a clue what I'm saying. I just, I do it too. Yay. <laughs> 
I love cats. Seriously, I, I love cats. You give me a cat and a hot guy, I just forget about the hot guy. I just focus on the cat. The cat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just, yeah. And then, um, yeah, I have a lot of lot in common with cats. I mean, I can see in the dark. It's weird, I know. Um, I my my structure, my body structure is very feline. Um, I don't know. I just have a lot lot of similar qualities to cats. I think I, I may have some feline DNA somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah, I just I just really love cats. Yeah, me too. And I feel like that too. I feel like I've got a lot of feline tendencies. Um, and you probably have similar, same to me. Um, so yeah, we understand each other. Um, <laughs> at one point I had 13 cats and I named them all after the Italian mafia movies. What? <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, pretty cool. Um, yeah, so how? talk to us about that, like... How did you have 13? They just kept breeding. They just kept breeding. Whoa. That was it. Yeah. And obviously, I I know what you're thinking. Why didn't you get them? So that's interesting. Um, That wasn't up to me at the time. It was people who lived in that household. Okay. I didn't have a say. Um, But, yeah, I I just love cats. when I worked in so I one of my clients was a vet um and I used to make uh, a tv an online series for them and it was answering questions about how to take care of your pet or the various different um symptoms the pets might experience and to understand that or there were case studies I did as well um where they were operated on and I remember being in the operating theater and just seeing eyes being taken out out of cats heads oh my gosh rated and all kinds of stuff like um cats and dogs being spayed and I had like the camera in one hand and I'd have to pass the needle or something with another wow (laughs) like so mad but I learned so much and yeah were really lovely they're all women working there um and they trusted me to like to come in and like I just start playing with the cats as soon as I get in like do you have any cats in today <laughs> the kennels and and I'd start meowing at them and they wouldn't even look at me they'd be like oh the cat whisperer is here because <laughs> the cats would meow back um, they're like oh what you know what that cat wasn't talking all day until you turned up <laughs> like wow so <laughs> that must have been an incredible experience yeah yeah I mean I loved that that was so valuable because I learned so much it's really interesting um and I value what they do I respect them so much yeah yeah it's not for the faint-hearted though I don't know if I I don't know (laughs) if I I can be easy the first couple of times in surgery and then I got used to it it's like okay Okay. blood bone yeah just tissue it's just it's like you know, doctors get used to it, so it's yeah, just, it's true. Just used to it, so it's like, right, I've got a, I've got a man up there in the surgery. <laughs> I know, I know. Or have there been any kind of like animals that you've met along the journeys that you've taken on your expeditions? Do you have any memorable moments with some of the animals that you've met along the way? There's always cats everywhere I go. Yeah, 
um, and some dogs. And remember, the dogs were protecting me when I was in the Amazon. When I took okay. They always come and protect me. They always watch me and and like make sure I don't fall. And that was really interesting. And they'd guard me. They'd sit outside my room when I'd sleep. And I was thinking, wow, this dog's almost like a guardian. Yeah. Animals sometimes come to me in the form of guardians Mm. to watch over me and protect me. So that's been an interesting observation from my adventures. I can imagine. I believe that to be true as well because I feel like there's just so much in this world that. You know, so many people just don't understand or can't wrap their heads around. But I always try to think out of the box and out of the norm. And I don't know. I just feel like, like you, I've experienced too much for it not to be true. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't just say, oh, that's not true. Uh, oh, that's just made up. No, it isn't. Because if you experience it, then you'll know that that's not true. But then again, you have to be very open anyway to be able to experience those things and let those things in otherwise you wouldn't experience them so yeah um lastly sarah if our listeners want to find out more about you your accounts online your podcast where can they find you sure um so they can follow me on instagram at sarah bagan tv um, my website's www.sarahbagan.tv. I'm on Twitter at Sarah Bagan underscore, no, at Sarah underscore Bagan. Um, and then my YouTube channel is uh, Sarah Bagan World TV. And my podcast video series are on there. Uh, the podcast Spaced Out with, it's called Spaced Out with an exclamation mark and put by Sarah Bagan because there's somebody else with a similar name um uh, for the podcast and um it's on it's on spotify apple uh alexa tune in uh pandora Podchaser. it's everywhere it's on all yeah, the podcast um so you can catch it anywhere um and yeah and and I hope you enjoy it. I hope you learn stuff about the space industry that's really important. Um, and you are inspired by these stories. And I just would love to see more people. I'd love to see the space industry develop um, and for us to become eventually an interplanetary species uh, and to find uh, technological solutions and other solutions to protect the Earth. That would be amazing. No, I'm definitely going to be tuning in because I'd love, me and my partner both have an interest in space as well. And I think listening to your podcast will definitely um, spark some food for thought, but also we could probably learn so much as well. So I'll definitely be tuning into that. So thank you so, so much for coming on and taking the time to speak to me today, Sarah. It means so much. And it's been so nice, like after such a long time to reconnect with you. Um, It's been, yeah, a really nice and positive experience. And I hope that we can do it again very soon. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. It's so lovely to um, to see you. To, I'm really proud of you as well. Um, oh, and it's really lovely to connect with someone from my past and in, in a different new way. And yeah, it's, it's been a beautiful experience for me as well. So thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Well, have a lovely day and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>